0: And welcome back in to the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing this morning? Awesome. Awesome. Uh, are you feeling snubbed
1: a, a little, I mean, a little, uh, I, I was legitimately surprised. I know I'm a Homer. I, I, I don't claim to be anything but a, a Homer, but, uh, I, I fully expected will Anderson to win best defensive player last night. And, uh, I thought, uh, J Mo would win the Blitnikoff. I I really
0: expected that. I did too. In fact, I was pretty shocked. I mean, when you look at what Jamison Williams has been able to do, you know, he got ejected in the first half of the Auburn game, and I think that limited his production a little bit. Uh, Otherwise, I definitely think that he's closer in receptions. I think he's closer in touchdowns. And I think it's possible, or even likely, that he has more yardage than Jordan Addison, who won it for Pitt. And, you know, when you start looking at that, and then you look at some of these games, I mean, seven catches for 184 yards and two touchdowns against Georgia. The top defense in the country, the guy put up almost 200 yards receiving 26.3 yards per catch. And, and I mean, like outside of that Auburn game, I mean, his last, you know, what, what was it? One, two, three, four, five, five of his last six games. You know, I guess really five, his last five games, if you don't include Auburn, he went over hundred yards. He had multiple, uh, you know, three of those games, he had more than one touchdown approaching 200 yards against Georgia. He was approaching 200 yards against Arkansas, uh, which, you know, uh, was a, a top 25 team. I just, and I, and I look at, uh, Jordan Addison's numbers and he's certainly a great receiver. I think he was worthy of being there. I just, this is another Will Anderson, Aiden Hutchinson type of debate where it's like, I feel like that the voters are getting it wrong. And I don't really see what Jordan Addison put on tape that makes you think he's the better receiver than than Jameson Williams
1: and it's not an NFL prospect award it's not best NFL prospect but just one more one more data point to throw in there i mean jameson is now consistently in every first round mock draft you see and i haven't seen jordan addison's name in any of those and and get that doesn't mean you know that doesn't mean jameson should win solely based on that but it's just one more data point in terms of who the NFL scouts think is a better player
0: yeah completely agree and i mean six of his touchdowns came against New Hampshire and Western Michigan. And I understand that Jamison Williams also had, let's see, he had four of his touchdowns against Mercer and New Mexico state. I understand it's the best receiver. You don't really take into account kick returns and just a a guy being a return man. So I think that maybe that doesn't play into it. And Alabama fans think of that and they automatically add it in and maybe that's something that the voters aren't supposed to, but I mean, 21.3 yards per catch, big play waiting to happen. I mean, that's almost five yards, a little bit over five yards more per catch than than Jordan Addison. So I was a little bit shocked. Don't get me wrong. And this is what happens. This is why I hate stuff like this. When you feel like a guy deserved it uh, and you start making an argument for him, you got to tear the other guy down, or it feels like you have to tear the other guy down in order to be able to build the other guy up. And it's not, that I mean, 93 receptions for close to 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns for a receiver, that's phenomenal. So don't want to take anything away from Jordan Addison uh, at all. And I know I'm comparing these numbers. It's just the reason I'm comparing them is I'm trying to understand where a voter for the Blitnikoff Award, you know, where they were at as far as their headspace. And I can't really find it. And then Jordan Davis uh, was shocked that he won the Bednarik Award. Uh, that was a little bit strange as well.
1: Well, I find that. To be honest, I, I don't want to trash talk the guy because we might have to play against him again. And he, he is a great player. He's very good at what he does. And 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 I understand the difference statistically between a nose guard and, and a Jack linebacker. I understand who's going to fill up the stat sheet and who's not. And that doesn't mean that Will plays his position better than Jordan plays his position. But I, I just find it silly, frankly, um, I think that Jordan is, is getting this attention and winning these awards on, on, on novelty because he is a highly unusual player at his size to be out there and, and being a really good player at his size is unusual. And I think some people too early this season made Jordan the face of the greatest defense in college football when in fact all along it probably should have been Nicobe Dean and not Jordan Davis anyway. But I, I, I just find it silly. I, I think Will Anderson not only deserved every defensive award and every linebacker award, he had one of the great linebacker seasons in college football history, not just the best player this year, but his numbers stand up to the numbers chase young put up, you know, two years ago when chase was a draft eligible player, that went on, uh, you, you know, to to go, to be a Heisman finalist in New York and and drafted so high. Will's numbers are as good as as Chase Young's. I I, I just don't understand really the the fascination with Jordan Davis, who to me is just a twenty twenty one Terrence Cody. And I realize I mean that as a compliment, you know. I
0: think he's a lot more athletic than Terrence Cody, which is what I think makes people True. so. True marveled by him or shocked by you know how good he is is the fact that he's the size of Terrence Cody or getting close to it but he moves extremely well here's my problem he played 306 of a possible 851 snaps he played on 35 I guess I guess exactly 36 percent of Georgia's defensive snaps he's out there for a third of the snaps and he's winning the best defensive player Outrage in the country. I mean, okay, outrageous. so what you're saying is George is putting the best defensive player in the country on the sidelines for two thirds of their defensive snaps. That's what you're telling me, you know, how many snaps is Will Anderson playing? He's playing, you know, 85, 90% of the snaps. You know, that's what if you've got the best defensive player in the country, that's exactly how you're utilizing them.
1: Hey, and I would have the same. That's, a, that's, that's such a great point. I would have the same criticism if someone out there had 19 sacks and wasn't winning the awards. If the guy was only playing on third down, he only played third and 10. I might not care that you have 19 sacks if you're not playing first and second down in terms of who's the best player in the country. You might win best player in the country on third down if that's an award, but the best defensive player needs to go to an every down player, uh, regardless of your
0: position. The best defensive player in the country is not limited, period. It, I mean, he, he can dominate in all facets of the game and it, against the run, against the pass. Jordan Davis, I mean, I, we, I've talked about him as being one of the best defensive players in the country. You know, the, I, I've continued to reiterate that throughout the season. I believe that what he does well, he does extremely well. And I think that he's a very valuable piece for Georgia. And I think he's a great defensive player who should get a lot of recognition. The problem is, is when you actually start getting into the best defensive player in the country, that's where it, it, you start to lose me. It makes no sense to have Jordan Davis winning the award with him being a one-dimensional, very limited guy because he's big and, and you know people post pictures of him online standing next to 300-pound guys and he looks just massive against them. Okay, I mean, let's give the award to Shaq then, whether he played or he didn't. I mean, he's going to make everybody else look small too, so it doesn't matter if he didn't play football or not. Let's just go ahead and give him the the Bednarik award. A lot of the the voting doesn't make sense. And it's very easy to criticize when you're not voting, you know, me from a a distance, you know, I don't have to make any sort of actual decisions, but a lot of times it just feels like these decisions are, should be pretty easy. And yet a lot of voters don't make it easy. And it's like, they try to get cute with their vote. Like, Oh yeah, let's go look at a bunch of stuff. I mean, I, I would venture to say that most people who vote on this really haven't watched a ton of tape on any of these guys. They've heard about Jordan Davis all throughout the season and they've seen him on ESPN because he's such an incredible athlete for a guy his size. And that really, they just, it's kind of like going into a voting booth when you're doing uh, an election. You know, you, you go in and you say, Who have I heard the most about? You know, that's why a celebrity can run for some kind of government position. And people walk in, they're like, I, I recognize Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll vote for him. You know, like its right. uh, it's that kind of thing. Jordan Davis has been talked about all year. And people who haven't really been paying attention as much as you would think they would, considering they're a voter, they walk in to, to make their vote or make their selection. And they're like, oh, I recognize Jordan Davis. We'll go with him. Um, I think that happens a lot more often than people realize.
1: No, that's exactly right. I think people are understandably outraged over the inconsistencies in the voting from award to award. I mean, Will won best defensive player Monday night. Jordan Davis won best defensive player Thursday night, all by votes. And then in the Heisman race, Aiden Hutchinson got more votes than Will or Jordan Davis. Um, And and I think it's that inconsistency that leads to people questioning uh, all the different processes.
0: Well, and and I'll say this, it's different groups of voters, right? I mean, it's not all the same people. It's not like... I'm going down the list. I'm saying, well, for the Bednarik Award, I'll give it to Jordan Davis. And for this award, I'll give it to to Will Anderson. And I'll go ahead and throw Aiden Hutchinson. It's a different group of people. And and, and different groups can reach different conclusions. So that really doesn't bother me. Now, at least having differences of opinion doesn't bother me. But it's when you clearly miss where I say, okay, it, I'm not just help me understand, you know, I just wish I could actually talk to some voters and say, Hey, I'm willing to listen. You know, what's your pitch for Jordan Davis being the Ben Arick award winner. Uh, and if you can make that pitch and you can sell right. me on it, then, then that's great. But just thinking, you know, I think there's something to the whole Bama fatigue thing. I really do. People. Got, I mean, cool. if, I, I'm telling you right now, if you had Auburn players winning it, literally winning awards and winning national championships, and that's all anybody can talk about ever you throw them into you know a lot of these awards and stuff. There are going to be people that would be looking at them and saying, I, I, "I'm tired of Auburn." You know, like it's it's not just an Alabama thing. It's just because Alabama's been on top so much. I don't think anybody has any sort of bias against Alabama. I just think that it they're they're tired of Bama winning everything and they want to switch things up a little bit. So I understand it in some ways and I don't in others. But we'll move on to the next topic because there's a lot to talk about today. The next on the list, Josh Job is going to be out for the college football playoff. You texted me, man, uh, when was that? That was this weekend, I think. And you said that you weren't going to, you know, share the news until, you know, it was, it was Tom and yeah, now it, now it's Tom, but you have been on this way before I saw anybody talking about it on Twitter. And I normally keep up with that stuff pretty well. But you said that Josh Job was likely going to be out for the college football playoff. You were correct; he is going to be out, and that leaves Alabama right now. Cooley McKinstry is going to be a starter for sure, uh, and it's possible that Kyrie Jackson could end up starting as well because Jalen Armour Davis he's still working through that hip injury. And Nick Saban said before you know the Georgia game. Hey, you know, if you're playing cornerback, something like a hip injury that's going to keep you from doing a lot of th- you can't really play with like lower body elements at corner because it requires it's so reaction based, you know, and, and so I think that it's possible that Jalen Armadeus could end up missing the game as well. We we certainly hope not. It would be a huge boost to the depth if he was able to return. But if he doesn't, Jimmy, talk about a little bit where Alabama's at as far as his cornerback room.
1: Yeah, it'd be a bit of a mess with uh, with Jalen Armour Davis out too. And that's what it appears today. And I say that in the sense that he he hasn't even practiced, uh, doesn't even, it's not like it's he's been a game time decision. I mean, he he just is out. So the fact that he would be completely healthy and ready to play three weeks from right now just doesn't seem right. Um, we, we can't rule that out or say it specifically, but I think it's fair that we, we at least need to assume that that's going to be the case. And if so, uh, Kyrie Jackson will get the start at corner. I'm uh, 50% really excited about that and 50%, uh, you know, uh, crapping my pants over it. I mean, here's here's a guy that that has played some snaps with the ones, but mostly it has just been garbage time snaps he wasn't even here in the spring. I don't, I don't recall. Yeah. He wasn't here in the spring. He got here in the summer. Um, He didn't even play a lot of football. He didn't play football at all his first year out of high school. Um, But that all said, I think he looks fantastic when he's been on the field. He impressed me in in, in practice when I've seen that. Uh, I I, I think that Kyrie is uh, a high level prospect. I think he could have a long career in the NFL it's not going to shock me if Kyrie is fantastic against Cincinnati and whoever will play next. Um, So I'm excited about it. I just sort of wish that, that uh, maybe he had gotten his first start against, you know, Arkansas or New Mexico state and not, and
0: not in the playoffs. It sure would be beneficial if Marcus Banks was still around. Um, And, and I'll say this in defense of Marcus Banks, people have to understand the the early signing period affects these guys' decisions to transfer uh, and when they make that decision and when they get into the transfer portal. If you've got colleges locking up positions right now, which is going to be happening next week, if you're waiting until after the season, your spot, your availability for a certain program or a certain team could be out the window because they've already filled your spot. So it's actually better if you're Marcus Banks – it's better to go ahead and let college coaches know as soon as possible, hey, I'm in the transfer portal, and let them make their pitch, allow, you know, you figure out exactly where you're going to go, where they still have plenty of room, guys haven't committed yet, and now it's them having to tell a lot of these high school commits, well, we don't have a spot for you anymore because we're bringing in this, you know, uh, uh, transfer portal corner who we feel like is going to be able to come in and start immediately. Um, Your spot's no longer available. Uh, You know, and so you can't blame these kids. It's one of the big reasons why I think they should be moving the first signing day that they've just created a few years ago. I think they need to bump that back maybe to January or something. I don't know exactly how you would do it. I think that you need to have two and you need to allow them to sign early because them sitting around and, and waiting to make decisions and stuff or waiting to sign on the dotted line when they're ready to to make it official. I think that's I, – I understand both sides of it, I guess you'd say, but – with alabama with with marcus banks this is another example of a guy if he would have you know he i don't know if you can i think you can enter the transfer portal and still be on the roster correct
1: you can but that's up to the school once once a kid enters his name in the portal uh then everything uh, is up to the school if the kid says hey i would like to be in the portal but in the meantime i want to stay in practice that that's an agreement between the two parties uh but it has to be an agreement between the two parties the kid can't just um enter the portal uh and and then show up at practice like nothing happened no the, the the school at that point once you enter your name in the portal it's allowable for the school to then remove you from uh from scholarship and uh and that's what often happened and, and and probably what happened here uh i do know that once marcus uh entered his name in the portal he, he never appeared in an alabama function again yeah uh, left um um, uh, and and has been going on trips, he may still be in school at Alabama, or he may have finished the semester, but not as part of the football team. And of course, with the scholarship, most everything was already paid for in advance anyway. I know Marcus has gone on trips. I know he went to Baylor for one, and, and that's kind of what has been assumed might be his destination. Uh, but also, it's completely clear to me About the portal stuff, we've talked about this before. But if Marcus Banks had stayed, he would be starting the playoffs. That would mean so much to his career uh, to play on such a big platform, you know. And then if you feel like, hey, when everybody gets healthy, I'm not going to be starting next year anyway. Well, then leave after the playoffs. That would have been. And then he might could have named a school if he played really well, you know, in the playoffs. But uh, Keelan Robinson is another example. He left last year when it seemed he was crowded out of, of, of playing time. Had Keelan been healthy, he may have started and played 15 to, you know, got 15 to 20 touches in the Georgia game. So, uh, you know, a lot of these kids make very hasty, impatient decisions. Uh, and and there, there's going to be a lot of Alabama kids in the portal after this season uh and into the spring that that's totally true we need a lot of kids on the portal we need the room but at the same time we're very likely to lose a handful of kids we don't want to lose uh, because they got impatient about where they are on the depth chart
0: that's very true and something else that needs to be said about the whole Marcus Banks situation is we have seen Alabama players that they've brought in you know uh, Henry Tooto he didn't make his decision to enter the portal until much later Jamison Williams uh, he wasn't. He didn't leave Ohio State early. He was there for the college football playoff. He didn't in the, enter the portal until after. So I'm not saying, oh, you have to enter it early, or you're not going to be able to, you know, find a, a spot. You know, both those two guys ended up at Alabama. You know, they upgraded where they were playing college football. Uh, so I, I, that's not necessarily what I'm saying. Uh, but I will say Marcus Banks doesn't. You know, he wasn't a starter, but he had gotten starts, and now he would be very valuable depth at the very least, and he could get it. You know, I thought he looked good. Against, uh, was it Mercer in week two, if I'm not mistaken? Okay. Both him, yeah, both him and Kool Aid both ended up starting. And I thought Marcus Banks looked better than Kool Aid mckinstry in that particular game. Now, Kool Aid was, you know, it was only his second career college game that he had ever played in. And so I think he's made some growth since then. I don't think he's perfect right now, but there's a reason that he had passed Marcus Banks in the depth chart and they were handling the cornerback situation like they were. But Alabama's in kind of a pickle if uh, Jalen Armour Davis is not able to go because you're going to have not only a true freshman who who's gotten some experience and it's very good that he's gotten that experience. Now he's now got three starts under his belt. He's now played in a couple of more other games, but then he got Kyrie Jackson, who's the coaching staff has been very high on as far as his special teams play and the uh, effort and willingness he puts into that. And so I think that it's great that he's getting an opportunity. He's a very physical corner. He's very, you know, he's got length. It's going to be hard to throw over him can play press man. I think that, you know, eventually, whether it be on the NFL level or at Alabama, I think he could play um, you know, some safety as well. He's got some versatility, but seeing him out there on the perimeter, I think is going to be, you know, I think he'll do pretty well. But uh at the same time, now you got Kyrie Jackson, you got Kuleid McKinstry, and who are the the, who who are behind those guys if Jalen Armin Davis is unable to go? Jaquez Robinson, Devontae Smith, and Terry and Arnold. So I mean where are those guys at you know do you know anything about how the depth how that would end up looking i mean because those are all talented players They were guys that were brought in on scholarship they were valued by the coaching staff but i don't really i you haven't heard much if anything about any of their development arnold is obviously one that fans are going to be like oh he's a very talented player he'll be able to step up i mean he's a true freshman and so that and they're already starting one so i don't think you want arnold to see a lot of playing time right now uh so where's where's the cornerback depth at
1: yeah, I mean, uh, there, there, there really isn't any. But Terry and Arnold, uh, should something happen to Kyrie or, uh, or Kool Aid, uh, I, I believe it would be Terry on Arnold uh, in a corner to replace them. He's played next to zero, hadn't earned a consistent role on special teams. He's basically redshirted this year. Uh, doesn't mean that he's overrated. It just means that that, that it hadn't all clicked yet. He hasn't he hasn't it ha- he hadn't grasped it all yet, uh, but but he would be the first corner off the bench, followed by Jaquez Robinson, who's been in the program for for three years now and, and hasn't really got on the field. So you, you shouldn't expect too much there. Uh, Devontae Smith primarily practices his safety. I'm not sure how much experience a corner he's gotten. When we signed him, he looked like a corner but they, they stuck him at safety day one. And that's where he's been uh, also redshirting shirting uh, because it would be nice if he could add some size. So uh, Alabama just doesn't have a lot of depth there. There's a walk-on named Braylon Lanier. Not many people know about or talk about, I wouldn't be shocked if he was in the pecking order somewhere. He's a, a talented kid that started out his career as a scholarship player in the Sunbelt conference and then transferred to Alabama as a walk-on. But, uh, he, he he could potentially get in there, but what Alabama fans need to hope is we've had enough injuries and drama at cornerback. Hopefully Kyrie and Kool-Aid can stay healthy. Uh, Malachi Moore uh, could potentially play some corner depending on his health. He is also, like Devontae Smith, really a safety when uh, when they're practicing in regular, uh, but Malachi has so much experience in the program, and he's a smart guy. I don't think it'd be a tough transition for him, but now let's uh, let's just do uh, a rain dance, hoping that uh, Kyrie and Kool Aid stay healthy.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm I'm just going ahead, and maybe I shouldn't, but I've just been going ahead and assuming that Devonte Smith is going to move to corner, with, because they've got a lot of depth at safety. You know, they're still loaded there. They still got guys. You know, Brian Branch, Malachi Moore, both those two guys can play safety. You got your three top. You know, Daniel Wright, Demarco Helms, and Jordan Battle. You got Christian Story. Yeah. So you've got, you've got a lot of depth there and I've just been assuming based off of them losing guys like they have that, that, but you're right. I mean, that's not a hundred percent. And I mean, maybe I should, but you know, it's what they do at running back when they had guys and and Devontae Smith has played corner, played safety as well. He's got that versatility. And so he was an obvious one that would make sense. I thought Arnold was going to be playing safety at Alabama and right. when he came in, you know, they moved him to corner and I was I was a little bit shocked by that. And I think it's because, yep. you know, something a little, I think long-term, I still view him as a, as a safety. Uh, maybe I'm wrong right. on that. Maybe Alabama, that's where they wanted him and that's where he'll end up staying throughout his career. But we'll kind of just have to see. It is a very interesting dynamic to see because, and I was going to ask about Malachi Morris. So I'm glad you brought that up and I, man, I, I'm getting so many questions about him And at this point, I really don't have anything. You know, I've heard, you know, I know that he's been banged up. I know he's been struggling this season to, to, you know, get back to 100%. I think that's been the main culprit. I don't know. I mean, maybe you know something about a suspension. I haven't really looked into that too much um, because there's just, there's not much out there on it when I've tried to look. And so I've just assumed that it was, it was injury related, but it might not be. But I I mean, he's a guy that when he came to Alabama, you definitely thought he was going to be playing safety the fact that he was able to transition to star that's totally fine that's something that makes a lot of sense he's done a very good job it's freshman year he did regressed a little bit uh, I think due to injuries this season at the position but I uh, you know I, I was kind of looking at him and saying can he be a perimeter corner you know how often have we you know seen that from him whether it be in high school or in college I know we haven't really seen it in college but it—it it, it is very interesting and and right now at running back, you got a, a linebacker, a six-three, two hundred and 215, 220 pound linebacker playing running back. You got a, a, a receiver playing running back and Christian Leary guys who don't necessarily fit, but you make it work because they really need some depth there. You know, you could see a lot of these guys end up playing And, and Lanier is one that I didn't really think about, but you're hundred percent right. And I think that he would add to the depth as well. I think, you know, with him and you got, if you move Devonte Smith, if that ends up being a thing, then maybe you've kind of at least added some bodies if you needed to at that position. Cause you still got Jaquez Robinson. You still got Arnold. We'll kind of just have to see how that plays out. Very interesting stuff. But uh, how are you feeling about Alabama? You know, knowing that Josh Job's going to be out knowing that Jalen Armour Davis might not end up playing. He might, we don't really know, but going against Desmond Ritter uh, they got, you know, some good receivers, Good run game, good offense, really, in general. But how are you feeling about that position and how you think it stacks up against Cincinnati? Should it be Kyrie Jackson and a true freshman and Kool-Aid McEntry?
1: Well, it's a good game for it to happen in terms of what you could have potentially seen in the playoff. You know, you play a, a an Ohio State who has elite first-round talent at receiver. That would have been horrible. <laughs> but Cincinnati, as good as they are in many spots, I don't think Cincinnati... Particularly stands out, you know, at the wide receiver position compared to, again, who you could be playing in the playoff or who you might play in the SEC. So I'm not too uh, freaked out over it for Cincinnati. That's why I'm, I'm almost half looking forward to it because I was so high on Kyrie as a prospect. Uh, I'm sort of excited to see uh, what he can do. Uh, Alabama can expect a lot of attrition at cornerback uh, in the offseason. Josh is almost certainly moving on to the NFL. Jalen Armour Davis very well could move on to the NFL. He's a guy who's also graduating uh, this weekend. One more reason he, that might push him to the NFL. Um, if, if you lose both Job and Jalen Armour Davis, then cornerback is sort of wide open uh, in the spring. So the, this this experience could really help Kyrie. So I think it's a good game for it to happen. I'll be more concerned against uh, against Georgia or uh, or Michigan. Um, in, in terms of Georgia and Michigan's going to put some frontline talent on the field, and that might be a tougher uh, a tougher matchup uh, in so far for 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 Kyrie and 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 Kool Aid when when you're playing, you know, future NFL players or future high level NFL players.
0: Completely agree. Now, granted, you know, I think Alec Pierce is a pretty good receiver for Cincinnati. You know, he's by far their best receiver, and. You know you can do things when you've got really one really good option and they got a good tight end as well i'm not saying that he's the, their only weapon in the passing game but you can do some things to mitigate or limit what he's able to do especially when you got a talented defense like alabama and it's really going to help now granted it didn't help a whole lot with it didn't help kool-aid against georgia very much but it does help when you have a dominant pass rush because that forces you know you don't have to stay in coverage as long it forces quarterbacks into uncomfortable situations and you can, you know, I think Alabama's got a, a playmaker at the position if the opportunities present themselves with Kool-Aid McKinstry. Um, I think he's a guy who's got great ball skills. I think he'll be able to, if, if a quarterback makes a mistake, throwing it his way, he can certainly capitalize on it and make a play after the catch too. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. And I do think it, you're hundred percent correct. I think the teams, all of them in the college football playoff none of them have receiving cores that you sit there and say, man, I think Alabama is in really big trouble. When Alabama's offensive line really struggled against Auburn and you were looking ahead towards Georgia's defensive front, that is something that scared you to death. You you, you just didn't think it was going to be a good matchup looking at Alabama's corners, if they have some issues, and, and there will be some teams, I guarantee you, uh, Cincinnati will have some big plays. You know, if they play Michigan, if they play Georgia, I'm sure all three of those teams are capable of producing some big plays in the passing game, but none of them, you know, like you said, I think you used the perfect example. If it was, you know, Ohio State with with Olaf and, uh, and Garrett Wilson, then Olave, I don't know why I said Olaf. If they were to have played either one of those two guys, they would have been in really rough shape. Those guys would have had a field day, you know, 10 plus catches, you know, 150 plus yards, a touchdown a piece, you know, that kind of game, you know, like a Jamison Williams, John Mechie type of game that, you know, Ohio state probably would have been able to move the ball fairly easily. And so I think that not having to play in Ohio state, I mean, very fortunate. So um, you got anything else before we hop out of here?
1: No, uh, I'm just looking forward to this weekend uh, on the message board today. I'm going to make for the first time in a couple of weeks, a really big, a uh, basketball post. I think people will really enjoy talking about where the basketball team is now, uh, 20, you know, one day before they play a highly ranked Houston team, uh, following the, uh, the Heisman ceremony, really looking forward to the Heisman ceremony, despite Alabama being snubbed for a handful of awards. I'm still, uh, very optimistic that not only will Bryce Young win the Heisman, but that he could win by a substantial margin. Um, and so the Heisman and, uh, and look forward to my big, uh, basketball post uh coming up in probably just a couple of hours from uh from recording this
0: sounds good man i'm looking forward to it I always love reading your stuff it, it, it's always entertaining to me but i appreciate you hopping on here with me and talking a little football looking forward to talking a little basketball um you know i don't know if that'll be tomorrow or i guess with it being friday i guess this is the last man this this week has been wow. crazy <laughs> there's
1: so much college football news clint it's weird that once the games in the news starts uh between head coaches the carousel assistant coaches carousel transfer portal bowl matchups awards um and, and kids hopping in and out of the portal it's uh it's it's been a crazy week there's something big that happens every few minutes
0: every few minutes man it, it, it is wild i mean I, i've been I can't tell you, I didn't even know this many college football awards existed. You know, all American teams, awards, it it feels like, and Alabama is involved in all of it. I mean, they might not always win it, but finalists and stuff. I mean, it it is crazy where Nick Saban has that program and it's crazy that they've been able to have the level of success consistently where it's every year, this kind of thing. And then what happens as soon as this is over, you start rolling into, you know, all these Alabama players who are making it to the NFL playoffs. You talk about them and their performances. You also start talking about the NFL draft prospects that Alabama has just, it's never ending, man. And we're blessed that to have that because it always provides us with great content. But Jimmy, once again, appreciate you hopping on here with me. We'll have to do this again next week. It'll be fun. Uh, Hopefully we'll be talking about Bryce Young, the Heisman trophy winner, the first ever Alabama quarterback to win the Heisman trophy and the fourth under Nick Saban at Alabama. So I think that'll be pretty cool. I appreciate you uh, joining me and we'll talk again soon. This has been the Bama on three show. And I'm your host, Clint Lamb.